Today's episode is brought to you by Dogwood Hill. Dogwood Hill is a purveyor of art-filled, luxurious paper products made for discerning clients without the lengthy design time or high price point. Based in Birmingham, Alabama, Dogwood Hill was founded by Jennifer Hunt in 2015 after she had a difficult time finding an online holiday card that featured beautiful art created by real artists. Eight years later, the brand commissions art from more than 30 artists and has developed a talented team of in-house graphic designers who bring the art to life through thoughtful product design. With each artist's distinctive style, you'll find the perfect item to suit your taste for all of life's special moments and celebrations. It's our favorite time of year when Dogwood Hill creates the most stunning holiday cards to send to friends and family. And when they're easy to use online, card customizing tool, you can quickly view your photos inside any of their cards. Enter your personalized text and receive your cards on your doorstep within 10 business days. Visit dogwood-hill.com to select and send a thoughtfully designed card this year and use code HSDT15 at checkout for 15% off for How'd She Do That listeners. This offer is good through the end of November. Be sure to check them out. Hi everyone, I am Emily Landers, and this is How Does She Do That? A podcast answering that question each episode. Hi, everyone, and welcome to a very special episode of HSDT. I am so happy that you're here and that you're joining us during your Thanksgiving holiday. Perhaps you are traveling to see family. Maybe you're listening next week and you enjoyed a great holiday. I hope so. I really hope so. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. There's so much to be grateful for, and I wanted to share a few of those things in this introduction, but first and foremost, you are in for a treat with today's episode. My friend, Mariah Grumet, joined me for today's episode. She's the founder of Old Soul Etiquette, and she shares so many interesting details about her career, her business, uh, most recently, uh, a stint and some time on the Today Show as well. We will get into it. I've had the pleasure of since meeting Mariah in New York, my husband and I were there in late October, and we did an HSDT meetup with some previous and upcoming guests and listeners, and I was so grateful to be able to meet Mariah in person, and we became very fast friends. So Mariah, I appreciate your friendship, and I'm looking forward to it growing and to continuing to cheer you on as you cheer on so many others. So Mariah is amazing, and I'm just beyond thrilled that you guys are going to be able to hear her episode today, my gift to you, and it is truly a gift. So sit back and enjoy. But I wanted to mention just briefly before we dive into today's episode, the immense amount of gratitude that I feel for this community here at HSDT. If this is your first time listening, we are three, nearly three and a half years into the podcast. And I started this as weekly episodes, no sponsorship, no understanding of how to monetize. And then of course, earlier this year, we reached 1 million listens of the podcast. We did a special giveaway uh, for a two night stay at Malibu Beach Inn to celebrate 
celebrate. Uh, we, we did some amazing giveaways over on social as well. But I think the biggest thing that I have taken away from HSDT and will continue to, I hope to do this for many, many years, uh, are the relationships. I was on a call earlier today. I recorded with a new friend uh, earlier today. And I think that the coolest thing about the podcast for me personally and for my life uh, is the real life connection. So even as recently as this weekend, my husband and I were able to join my business consultant, Adair, uh, for lunch in Beverly Hills, meeting her husband, just the real life connections that have come out of this unique and creative space for me is what I'm most grateful for. Uh, I saw, it was really fun, uh, this past week I saw Inslee, previous guest, and Julia Amory, previous guest, were together, um, and and they have a connection through HSDT as well. And it's incredible. So as much as I'm over on Patreon, patreon.com slash how'd she do that, sharing the behind the scenes of how I really want to make this a business with our shop, shophsdt.com, with Patreon, with sponsorships, um, and really focusing in on how we can grow and continue to do this for many, many years to come. I have to say the relationships of over 178 uh, episodes, even more than that, those relationships and the people that I'm able to meet, the people that I'm able to connect with, the stories that I'm able to hear, the lessons I'm able to share, but also embed into my own heart and soul after hearing them on the podcast, it's priceless. My gratitude for my listeners, my gratitude for you guys is endless. Um, And I would ask if you have a moment today and you want to share a little bit of gratitude for HSDT, feel free to leave us a five-star review on iTunes. I need to get better about asking about that. But you guys, it's just amazing. I am beyond grateful for you. And I'm super grateful for Mariah. You guys have a very happy Thanksgiving and enjoy my conversation today. You guys are the best. Today's guest, Mariah Grumet, is a New York City-based etiquette trainer, author, and founder of Old Soul Etiquette. When Mariah first moved to New York to work in fashion, she took an etiquette course as a fun weekend activity and quickly realized that it was her calling. While she worked her corporate job, she completed her first teaching certification and launched Old Soul Etiquette's social media, followed by her website and services, and ultimately left her job to go full-time. Teaching etiquette allows her to merge the things she is most passionate about, kindness and respect, intentional living, and helping people discover the confidence they need to reach their full potential. When Mariah isn't working on a new course or speaking with women like myself, she is likely antique shopping or enjoying time cooking and relaxing at home. Mariah, welcome to How'd She Do That? Thank you, Emily. I am so honored to be here, truly. Oh, well, I am so excited that you're here and you have already been so much fun to work with and so gracious as we get started and as we get going. I am eager to share your story and I'm so hopeful that some of our listeners have not yet been connected to you because I think you have so much to offer us. Thank you. Thank you. That's so kind of you to say. Well, it's true. And I'm eager to dive in. I know you're familiar with the show and we always love to just go ahead and do just that. I'm an avid listener. Oh, I love it. I love it. Well, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled that you're joining us and I'm excited for listeners to get to know you a bit more. So perhaps you tell us, maybe tell us a little bit about your upbringing and ultimately where you went to school. I grew up in New Jersey, about 35, 40 miles outside of New York City. 
I am the oldest of three and a textbook oldest child. If anyone else is an oldest <laughs> child, you know exactly what I mean. And I'm very close with my family. I grew up with a very close family. We're still very close, even though, you know, all three of us are adults now and live all over the place. We, uh, I, I w- was blessed with a very, very special childhood. Mm, so um, sweet. So I grew up in New Jersey and then ultimately I ended up at the University of Delaware where I went to college. That was a very common school for my area in New Jersey for, for people to end up at. So that is where I went to college. Okay. It's so fun to hear. It's always interesting to see how people pick their college and ultimately mm-hmm. their major as well. What was your major in school? My major was fashion merchandising. I was always interested in fashion and the program at the University of Delaware was a main reason why I picked the school. Funny enough, I was such a homebody growing up that I didn't even want to go to college. So (laughs) when people say, did you step on the campus and have the feeling? I said, no, it was just the best option for me me not (laughs) wanting to go anywhere. That was the the best option for me. But it ultimately ended up being one of the best experiences of my life. Oh, that's amazing. And I think that's so true. There are some that it's like, no, I I just went with the kind of the best option. I think that was similar to my experience in picking my school. I'm like, okay, you know, my Mm -hmm. mom went here. It's somewhat Mm -hmm. close to home and let's just go for it. And like you had such a great experience. So ultimately with your fashion merchandising degree, what did you think that you were going to be stepping into post-grad? You know, I I studied uh, the business side of fashion. I interned more so in the product development area. So I was really willing to do whatever. I think I was a college student that was trying to follow a very traditional path and whatever best job was going to be presented to me was what I was going to take. Mm. So I, I ultimately ended up in, in, in a buying role for a, a large retailer which I think is just such a funny story because it was an amazing company to work for and a a really great opportunity for me. And I actually got turned down for the summer internship program the previous year, but I I stayed persistent and I I interviewed for the post-grad job and, and ultimately got that and started working five weeks after I graduated. Wow. Okay. And such an encouragement because I know many listeners, there is kind of that traditional route of, okay, I'm going to intern and they're they're going to offer me a full-time position, which mm-hmm. doesn't always happen. But in your case, stayed persistent, stepped into that role. And where were you at this time? Is this actually in the city? Yes. So I was still living at home when I first, first started the job yep. and then quickly moved to New York just to a short few months um, after I began the job. It wasn't a huge move because I grew up right outside of the city, but Mm -hmm. I did move to be closer to work. Okay. And what year is this? I'm curious. This is 2019. Oh my gosh. I love when the year is not what I expect it to be. This is not long ago. <laughs> I'm I'm young. I'm young. It's so funny. People either think that I'm way younger than my age or way older than my age. They never quite get it right. <laughs> yeah. That is so funny. Well, I think I was way off, but I'm sure that it comes with what you do and your maturity and, and how, you. you know, all of the things that you've already accomplished and done. So, okay, this is everything just, I mean, everything just became more exciting. <laughs> Exciting. I was already excited, but this is really fun. I love when that happens. Okay. Wait, I'm curious. Ooh, like, yeah. How old did you think I, I was? I don't mind sharing. Well, I thought you were closer to my age and I am 32. I'm I'm honored because most people when I go out with my family think I'm the youngest sibling. So I I will take 30. That's okay. good. Yeah. Okay. Well, wait, how old are you? Do you mind? T- I'm 26. 
You're 26. Oh my mm-hmm. gosh, Mariah. This, mm-hmm. oh my gosh. Okay. This is just so fun. And and I know that I know listeners are going to be excited about this. I personally love when I just am so surprised. I mean, and, and, and not only by your age, but I'm talking, you know, time frame here. Okay. 2019. Yeah. That's not long ago. And to see, no. okay, we got, we got to keep rocking and rolling. I'm so <laughs> excited about this. Okay. So yeah, 2019, you step into mm-hmm. this fashion merchandise role, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm guessing it was, uh, you know, enjoyable for, for what it was. And during that time, did, did you really find a lot of passion and enjoyment in it? Or were you looking for something else? You know, I, I reflect a lot on this time of my life. And I think that I was really trying to do what I thought was right. This is what I went Mm. to college for. It was a very, very secure job with all of the best benefits that you could think of and a great salary room for growth. It checked off every single box. And to be honest with you, in the beginning, I was thrilled, but I think it was really masked by the fact that I got to live in New York City and have this like dream fashion life that I watched in movies that I always dreamt of. Yeah. Um, But then the pandemic hit and Mm. I wasn't living this fabulous New York City life anymore. And then I had to really kind of hone in on what the job was and quickly realized that I wasn't as passionate about it as, as much as I thought I was going to be. Hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. You were kind of stripped of the enjoy, you know, the the elements that were really enjoyable, like going to work, seeing coworkers, you know, living, like you said, that New York lifestyle where it's just rush, 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 go, go, go. And then when the pandemic hits, all of that is stripped away. And like you just said, you really had to focus on the actual tasks of the job without the fun elements of what it provided you in your day-to-day life. So what right. did it look like for you to start thinking about potentially doing something else. Mm-hmm. So funny enough before, so now I'm, I'm kind of going all over my timeline a little bit. So yeah. right before the pandemic, so I guess this was the winter of 2019 going into early 2020. This is when I had just moved to New York and I was looking for some fun things to do on the weekend. I didn't have a ton of friends who moved here yet. And I attribute this to my old soul, but I wasn't necessarily partaking in activities that normal people recent postgrads were doing. So I was looking for <laughs> what I call like Mariah days, you know, the things that, that I like <laughs> to do. And I came across this etiquette course in New York and etiquette has always been something that I've been interested in and studied myself. So I said, I'm going to take the course on the weekend just as a form of enjoyment for myself. And I had one of those super gut feelings when I was there, which we can we can talk about later too. But I, I sat there and thought, I think I'm really missing my calling. I don't think I'm able to use my strengths and what I have to offer the world by sitting behind a computer typing on spreadsheets, which funny mm-hmm. enough, as entrepreneurs, you know, now I'm still <laughs> behind a computer typing in spreadsheets, but, <laughs> it's but they're your spreadsheets. But, <laughs> but they're my spreadsheets, exactly. And so that was early, early 2020 before the pandemic. And I sat on this gut feeling for a long time that I was missing my calling, but leaving my job at the time was not an option for me. I I didn't even think twice about it. Um, But what happened was I started my Instagram account as a creative outlet and a hobby to help me sort of get through the the pandemic and the isolation. And just, I I was really feeling unfulfilled at what I was doing. So I, I started it as a creative outlet. So this is, you know, back when I, I, I guess this is about like late 2020, maybe 
early 2021 at this point. Wow. And I had moved back home to my parents in New Jersey um, because I had a little studio in New York City and it wasn't the, the best place for me to be <laughs> living and working and eating in my teeny, teeny, tiny little apartment <laughs> yes. at the time. So I, I started my Instagram account with no, I guess I had the dream of it becoming something bigger, but not not leaving my job or anything of that nature. Oh my gosh. I, the timeline is just like incredible to me to think about. And it just goes to show the content, your work, your passion, your excitement around this specific topic. Now, I want to dive into a little bit more about this etiquette side of things. So when mm -hmm. I was in middle school, it was quite popular in our community um, in Texas, actually, to do a thing called cotillion. Now, mm -hmm. I don't believe that you had necessarily had um, etiquette classes growing up, right? That wasn't like a theme in your life as a, as a young girl, was it? I don't believe so. I'm going to make you laugh. You're 100% you're correct. Wow. But my dad actually used to threaten me with etiquette courses because growing <laughs> up, I was such a messy eater as a young girl <laughs> that it was actually, my dad would say, if you don't figure this out or sit up straight or stop spilling things on your lap, I'm sending you to an <laughs> etiquette class. That's oh how little formal training I had until I was an adult. You know, I think I, I grew up with the, I always teach with the fundamentals of kindness and respect, as you mentioned earlier. And so that's how I was raised. I was mm -hmm. raised with treating every single person, no matter who they are, what their title is. You treat everyone you encounter with kindness and respect. You make their day better than it was before you got there. Mm -hmm. And that's how I was raised. And and of course, we learned how to set tables and everything like that. But I, I did not take any kind of formal etiquette class or participate in any kind of cotillion or anything of that nature <laughs> until I was until I was an adult, really, after college, honestly. Oh my All God. of my, my self-studies were books and research and, and things like that that I did through, throughout college when I became interested in the subject, but never had any formal training growing up. So what was it about that course in New York that one, sparked your interest and two, mm -hmm. kept you interested to the level that it did? So funny enough, in college, this is just another another thing that I took on because yeah. I can't sit still. I had a little <laughs> fashion blog in college oh, and okay. I loved sharing content and I loved talking to people about things. I taught a, a class in college for, for freshmen. I loved being up in front of a room and there were so many things that I loved to do and I loved to share. But when I had my fashion blog, it was like, that's not exactly it. Hmm. It's not exactly fashion content. And style is still a huge part of my life, obviously. Yes. It goes hand in hand. Um, but I said, this is not exactly it. And so then when I started to take these etiquette courses, I went because I wanted formal dining etiquette training. But I learned there that it was so much more than just how to hold your fork and knife. It was about presenting yourself. It was about conducting yourself with confidence, how to make people feel valued in your presence, how to market yourself. So many things where I was like, hmm, this is the stuff I'm really passionate about. Of course, mm. you pair that with a really great outfit and you have the perfect the perfect <laughs> whole recipe there. But that's really what inspired me to learn that I was kind of missing my calling of what I was both passionate about and what I was really already good at. It's it's so impressive. It's so impressive to see what you've built out, but then also your clarity 
in your passion and to say, you know, etiquette is important. This and a lost art in our, I mean, we could go on and on about that in our generation, mm-hmm. but I, I want to hear, okay, so you go to this etiquette class and you start old soul etiquette social media, right? Um, mm-hmm. What did those early posts look like? Was there any kind of strategy behind it? What, what did it look like for you to think, you know, I'm going to grow this as I work my corporate role? Okay, no one no one can go scroll all the way back now. I catch them because I like to see the growth, but ooh, at the beginning, you know, for all of us, it's a journey, right? Um, so at this point, again, I was not certified to teach yet. I was about to. So now we're in, um, let's say, late winter, early spring of 2021. And I had just taken all of my self-studies and had done, you know, online courses. And the course I took in the city, but I had not been certified yet to teach others. So I started the Instagram account to share. And the funniest thing is I was so strategic about my posts then, Mm. and I'm so less strategic about them now, which is really Um, funny. That is interesting. I I work a little bit more creatively now, you know, when an idea pops up and I'm able to film, that's kind of how I share content now. But back then when I started, it was very strategic, but it was not in the very beginning. It was not with the idea of coaching other people. It was just to share some of the things that I've learned over the couple years of my, of my studies prior to when I was certified to teach. Once I completed my first certification, that's when I started turning it into more of a side gig. So I created my website and created courses, started teaching people on the side and made my Instagram a little bit more of a business page, working alongside my corporate job. So I would work crazy hours for my fashion industry job. And then I would work occasional evenings and Saturday mornings to teach um, which was a very slow journey, but I loved it. It was it was a creative outlet for me. Well, and what did it look like? Because you know, for those of us who are listening, and this is you know, obviously many list. Well, actually, we have a lot of listeners in New York, but many who are listening are not there. Um, what does it look like to? Were, were these online courses to kick things off, or I feel like you would need to be in person too? They were all virtual when They're I first all started. Virtual, okay. Mm-hmm. Wow, it was still that time of our lives where yes. people were home. So it was all virtual. And still now I still teach a lot, a lot of virtual courses, which is wonderful because I'm able to connect with people all over the world really. Um, but I also teach in person. It's nice to have the option so that I can connect with people from all over. So tell us a little bit about these early classes and early courses. How mm-hmm. did you even know that this was something that you could make money on and create a business? Because I, I feel like I learned about courses, you know, two years into the podcast. I'm like, oh, people have courses, but it sounds as though mm-hmm. that was something that you knew about rather early on. So how did you actually know the route to creating a business with just the foundation of etiquette? I didn't. (laughs) I knew it was possible because there are many who have come before me who I look up to and mentors of mine. So I knew that the the niche was of interest to people. Um, I come from a line of entrepreneurs. So I'm, Mm. I'm very accustomed to the mentality of throwing things at the wall and seeing what sticks. Yes. But I really had no idea what I was doing. I knew my craft and I knew I had the knowledge. So I trusted that. And I love to to interact with people. And, and so I had that also. And so I put together courses based on my knowledge and then putting my own twist on things. 
And I hosted one virtual course a month, one for teens, one for children, one on dining etiquette and one on um, business etiquette. And so I would host those once a month um, for a few months leading up to the time that I I left my job. And then that's when I was able to to give more time to it. But the courses were really, I, I collected all of the things that I've studied. At that time, I had only gone through my first certification course. Um, I have a couple now, so I've been able to to add on, obviously, to my knowledge. But they were they were really things that I just built from scratch, and I advertised it on social media and advertised it to people that I knew in my community. And it they, they were so small in the beginning, but I didn't care. Oh, you loved it. You loved it. I did. Oh my I did. gosh! Okay, so you just mentioned one virtual of those four um, uh, specific yeah. subjects. Is that correct? Yeah, so I had about three or four per month at that time. Okay, three or four per per month. This is so much fun. And to think <laughs> about those early classes, what? Tell us about the first one. Tell us about that first online virtual course. Oh my gosh. Um, what was it like? How long was it? How did you prepare? Maybe do you remember what the topic was? Mm-hmm. This is so fun, Emily, because I rarely reflect on on this. I'm the details. really quickly, so <laughs> this is so nice for me to have time to reflect. So thank you. Um, I I think that my children's course was the first one. I'm pretty oh. sure. Yes. So it was children ages six to nine or six to eleven. I can't remember what I, I originally started with, and I had I think about ten or twelve children for the first one, and. It was great. I I my I structured my children's course as a little good manners treasure hunt. And so that's oh. what we we did for that one. And it was it was a, a great success. I think that I was lucky with such great students and they had their parents nearby or guardians nearby in case they had any technical difficulties. Oh. But I remember it going better than I expected it to. Looking back at it, I think it's hilarious that I started my first course with elementary school children <laughs> expecting that they were going to like know how to, but unfortunately they did know how to navigate Zoom. It was the the, the right. part of the, you know, of our lives that we were in. So it surprisingly went very smoothly. I have all good memories of it. Oh my gosh. Well, and to think of a six-year-old and, and to have to keep their attention, no doubt you did a fabulous job. I think any Thank any you. age would would be able to listen to you and would be willing to do so um, and, and for some time. So the breakdown of this is just amazing. What did it look like for you? I mean, gosh, and we I have to remind everyone, you're working a corporate full-time job mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. on top of this. So you're really building this out and growing it as you go. What did it look like? Did you do batch content? I know I'm really getting into the weeds, but I'm just so interested in these early stages. So let me think. So at that point, I was not doing... So everybody knows me on Instagram for my videos. Yeah. And I wasn't doing video content at this time. So I I hadn't had... I laugh at this now. I hadn't had the courage to record myself in front of... I felt so strange talking to my phone at this point. So I I did all good old fashioned still pictures and and graphics and things like that. And my Instagram account had maybe, maybe 2,500 followers at this point. Wow. Wow. Which I was, I mean, they, 
I'm so grateful for that. That's a great number. Oh yeah, of course. Oh my gosh. But yeah, to think of the the video element, I think really took things to the next level for you. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about, because ultimately, and this is so much fun, ultimately you do leave your role. How long mm-hmm. did it take for old soul etiquette's um, potential to really make you think, okay, I, I actually need to step into this full time? So this is a part of my journey that I like to be really transparent with because I think that entrepreneurs, when they move from working corporate to full time, you know, everyone's journey looks different. Everyone's looking, people ask me, when did you know? When did you know? And I want to just preface this with the fact that I left my job when I was not in a position to. So Mm. my business was nowhere near, I mean, I laugh when I think about it, nowhere near in a position for me to just drop my very secure corporate job. <laughs> I had a ton of money saved up. I was living at home at the time. And I thought, when when is going to be a better time in my life to do it? And I, I still was having that pull. And I said, you know what? I need to, I'll never know how this will work if I can't give it my 100%. And I can't because hmm. I'm nine hours a day giving to my other job. And of course, I was going to do that. I had you know, a job to report to, and it was important to me that I, I completed that to the best of my ability. Mm-hmm. But I said to myself, I'll never know what it could be if I don't give it my all. And if it fail, fails and I fall on my face, then I'll go back to the fashion industry or I'll try something else. I think I gave my parents a heart attack when I I, <laughs> I, <laughs> I just woke up one morning literally and said, I need to leave. I need wow. to leave and I need to give this a try and see what happens. Oh my god. And gosh. so that was that was September of 2021. So I'd started the Instagram account in February and left in September. Okay. Oh my gosh. And I love, thank you so much for sharing just candidly how, yeah, for you, it really was like, this is a, this is a do now, or, or we're just going to let it, I mean, it it was a must for you. It was a must to, to get this rolling. Um, did you have any kind of mentor or business consultant or anyone that was helping you think of ways to scale it at this point? No. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Everything that I have done up to this point, Aside from my taxes, because right. I will never do my taxes. <laughs> but aside from that, um, I have done everything for the business myself. Oh my I have an, a, an incredible support system in my family and my friends and my fiance that have kept me afloat. Um, but I, I haven't worked with any professionals. And it's not because I don't want to. I'm a firm believer in understanding what your strengths are and being able to delegate it's just that I'm still growing a business. I don't have the budget to be consulting outside sources yet. I would love to. I'm just not there yet. Yeah, which is is so I mean, it's I love how candid you are and I love how clearly this aligns with what you're genuinely passionate about. Um and I'd love to know, you know, stepping away from your your corporate role, what did mm-hmm. it look like? I mean, you, you it was me myself and I, Mariah, moving forward with old soul etiquette and and this is it. So was there kind of a a pedal to the metal moment that you thought, okay, I'm going to oh, add yes. more courses or or what did that look like? I really was so excited to have all of the this time but being such a type a person coming from a corporate job i was like really struggling without the structure in the beginning to kind of just get my groove hmm. and you know you know this all too well that every day looks different which is such a blessing in some ways and in other ways it can it can be lonely it can be frustrating so it took yeah. me a little while to get my groove um but then i started growing on instagram which is what 
helped really get me busy. Mm. And once I was busy, then I was, I just had the momentum and I wasn't looking to stop. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Specifically, as you grew on social, would you credit that to your creativity with videos? Okay. That's, that's huge. I Mm -hmm. I mean, you're even speaking to me right now. And it's, it's one of those things that I think people are like, I know I need to do that, but there is that hesitation there. Do you Mm -hmm. think that your skills and your, you know, uh, being certified and your certification and, and what have you gave you some of that confidence to put yourself out there? No. Oh gosh, no. Because (laughs) I mean, oh gosh, queen of imposter syndrome over here. Gosh, no. Um, (laughs) <laughs> I love. It. I don't know. I don't know what it was. I think. It, I think really what pushed me to finally put myself out there was the fact that, you know, hey, I quit my corporate job. Like it's time to move. Wow. Yeah. It's time. You took this chance, so now go put your face in front of the camera. It's not. It's that can't be more difficult than it was to to, <laughs> to leave your job. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yes. Oh, okay. I love it. I love all of it because it really was, yeah, it's a now or never moment. And for you, mm-hmm. things did begin to, to take off. Um, is there any moment in those early few weeks that you left your role that there was maybe um, a, a big confirmation or an aha moment that you did the right thing that kind of helped you propel propel yourself forward? In that early time, I don't know if there was an exact moment. It was really nice, steady growth. So it, it was a really good um, kind of series of, of different opportunities that I had to work with different companies. You know, a big part of my business that not a lot of people see on social media is that I, I coach businesses. Mm-hmm. And I, of course, leave that private out of, you know, respect for the privacy of the businesses and things like that. But that's when I really started to feel like it was turning into a business because of course when i was teaching the courses that people could sign up for that to me still felt like a side gig still felt very fun and creative right you know it was serious but i think it turned into it turned more serious and, and was a a nod to that this was really becoming a business once i started coaching other businesses so d- with that and that's an interesting um point to make because i do think it's an important piece of your business that's obviously a huge, I would I would guess a huge chunk of it and a great mm-hmm. income um as well that that they're able to bring you in. Is that a day with Mariah? Is that a lunch? What what does that kind of look like? I always say I'm 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 not a flexible person. I'm I've meant how many times have I mentioned that I'm tight by I'm not flexible. <laughs> However, I'm super flexible in how I work. And so I think that every industry and every company is so different and has different values. And of course I come from an etiquette perspective always, but I like to customize my things for businesses because if I had a one size fits all kind of curriculum, it wouldn't necessarily benefit each individual company in the way that I would like it to. So it depends to answer your question. It depends. Some people just want a one hour virtual session. Some people want a full day workshop. Some people want a quick lunch and learn. It really depends and I'm happy to to work with companies because I I want I want it to be of interest to their team and to their colleagues and employees because it's not always the most <laughs> flattering thing when someone's like I brought in an etiquette expert to help you out. Right. <laughs> <laughs> always have the best connotation. So I really try try and come from a place of empowerment and confidence and and make sure it fits within the company's values. That's important to me. 
Hmm. Well, and it's, it's impressive that you're able to cater in that way and to really think through from your experience and from your education, what would be uh, best suited for this specific group? And yes, how can you step in uh, to say, hey, let's all enjoy? Mm-hmm. I, this is something I wanted to make sure that I, I touch base with you on because I, mm-hmm. I personally, and we talked about this a little bit before we started recording, etiquette is so important. And it does seem as though the world has not only lost its mind, but they've lost etiquette. And <laughs> and I, I think it's so important, but it might not be something that um, individuals feel is for them. Maybe, maybe they mm-hmm. think it's, it's frou-frou or, you know, an something that they won't experience in their life. Perhaps they think it's only for fancy dinner parties. What would mm-hmm. you say to encourage someone who's curious about etiquette, but maybe finds it a little too intimidating to kind of step into? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So I teach on this philosophy of a tool belt, and I think that it helps bring down those feelings of it being antiquated or of it being fancy or anything like that. There's etiquette for everything. We all want to know what we have to do in different situations. Mm. And better yet, we want to feel equipped with the confidence and the preparation to be able to present ourselves in the best way possible because people are not mind readers and we have so much to offer the world. But if we don't feel confident really shining our light, we're not living to the best of our ability. And I always say we shine our light so we can inspire others to do the same. And so I teach on this philosophy of a tool belt to just make it really simple that you imagine you're wearing a tool belt at all times and all we're doing, an invisible tool belt, and all we're doing when we learn modern etiquette is simply sharpening tools that you already have in your tool belt or adding new ones so that you are fully equipped so you can walk into any situation socially or professionally and have the confidence knowing that you will be the best version of yourself and you will make other people feel valued in your presence and you're given maybe more tools than than the others and you know to set you apart and that's really really if you think about it we are all so overqualified on paper mm. we have access to so many resources and amazing education and all these things so when you think about what's going to set you apart for this next opportunity or for a, a to build a relationship it's that extra spark it's the soft skills and so yes of course dining etiquette is a super important aspect of it but it goes beyond that it goes it goes to communication skills and psychology and body language and all things like that as well. Oh my gosh, Mariah, I can see why you're so good at this. I mean, you're making me, I'm literally, as I'm sitting here, I'm thinking about a meeting that I have coming up today and I'm thinking, Ooh, what do I need to brush up on? What do I need to, how do I need to present myself better? I'm thinking about eye contact. I'm thinking about standing tall. I'm, I'm thinking about all of these things. Um, and this whole conversation has been so encouraging to me and it's really bringing etiquette and really etiquette is also just thoughtfulness. Like you said, respect, mm-hmm. care for others, mm-hmm. care for yourself. Um, and so you're just doing such a fabulous job bringing that Thank front you. of mind for me. And I know that listeners are, are loving every step of this journey. And I, I would be remiss if I didn't ask, I mean, I, I we've, we've, um, touched on quite a few amazing highlights um, mm-hmm. throughout your career, but I, I would be curious: Are there any instances that that you'd say failure actually helped shape it? Hmm. You know, I think that as an entrepreneur, speaking on behalf of other entrepreneurs too, we we fail more than we win, right? Yeah, I mm-hmm. fail every day. I fail <laughs> at so many things, but I think it's a sign that we're taking chances and we're trying things and we're doing things that other people are not doing. And we're, and we're 
stepping out and being brave. And it's a constant reminder of, of humility, right? Bring us back down to earth. And it, it also makes the wins all that more worth it. And, mm. and there's always a lesson. And so it's, it's difficult for me to think of a t- like something that sticks out only because it happens so often. I have like launched courses or had ideas or tried this and it just falls right on its face. It's, it's happened mm-hmm. more times than, than the wins. And I, it, it's important for me to share that with people because, you know, I post obviously a lot on social media and of course I'm, I'm posting the good things, but you know, cause I don't need to air my dirty laundry out for everybody, <laughs> but there are more to more failures than wins. Trust me. Mm, so true. So true. And so good. And you've provided such clarity and just totally peeling back that curtain, but then on the flip side, and I'm really interested in what your answer is going to be on this one. Cause I could put mm-hmm. words in your mouth. So I want to hear from you. <laughs> what would you say has been a real wow moment for you in your career? <sighs> so, hmm. So I like to think of, I mean, there's one obviously that pops into my mind. I think the big wows for me, the important wows for me are when I hear from my clients about how something that I said changed something for them or helped them in some way. So that's, Mm. that those are my, my everyday wow moments. But in terms of, if I want to brag for a moment, since you asked, it was uh, (laughs) a, When I was on the phone with my mom and I had to tell her that I had to call her back because NBC was calling. <laughs> I thought it was a spam. And um, it was the Today Show. And they invited me to come do a segment with them. This was in, in August. Yes. Oh, I remember seeing it. I remember <laughs> squealing. I remember being so oh, happy and excited for you. you. Uh, tell thank us a little you. bit about how that came to be, if you don't mind. You know, the power of social media. Wow. Really? So mm-hmm. they, someone had mm-hmm. seen you and they were going to do a um, a segment, I suppose, of some sort. Is that right? Yes. Oh, my yes. goodness. And so they, uh, it, I, I had less than 24 hours notice. And uh, <laughs> they called and said, can you be available tomorrow? And I said, I will be. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> the calendar, but I will be available. <laughs> Thankfully, I, I didn't have anything um I didn't have any clients till the afternoon, so I was able. My schedule in the morning was clear, and um, I went to the Blue Box Cafe, which is the new restaurant at Tiffany's on on Fifth Avenue, and I did a afternoon tea segment with Hoda and Jenna. It was such an amazing experience. Oh my gosh! And was that um, your picking, or did, or did they pick the location? That that's the perfect they picked, spot. They perfect picked everything. Spot. I was just told what time I needed to be ready. That was it. (laughs) Oh my gosh. And what did it look like? It's fun because we've had many um, guests who have experienced similar aha, whoa moments of the Today Show Mm -hmm. calling. And some of them have product, of course. And so they they talk Mm -hmm. about an uptick in product. What did it look like for you to step away from that segment and look at social and perhaps look at classes? What was that like? It was great. I had so much support from my community and Mm -hmm. sweet messages from people who you know, said, I just saw you pop up on my TV and now I follow you. And so it was like a, a dream couple of, of days following the, the segment. So we didn't film live. We filmed um, in August and it aired in the beginning of September. So I had okay. to sit patiently. It wasn't that long of a wait, but um, it was just so exciting. I, I was doing the whole dorky jump up and down in my office <laughs> moment. So definitely a highlight in my career and my life, really. Mm-hmm. Well, and I'm sure your parents thinking back to, you know, that 2021 exit from your role, correct <laughs> me if that date is wrong. Um, but true. then for them to be looking at each other like, 
what is Mariah doing? What is happening? And then lo and behold, just shortly after, um, an amazing, amazing win. Uh, and again, Thank just so you. well-deserved getting to know you today. It's like, oh yeah, well, of course, as, as it Thank should you. be, as it should be. Um, and, and I'd love to Thank know, you. well, it's, and it's uh, gen very genuine from the heart. I mean, this has been so much fun to, to unpack all that you've done in a very, <laughs> very short amount of time. Um, and, and I'd love to know, and you know, you listen to the show, so you know, we love to ask this mm -hmm. question, but what is mm -hmm. perhaps the greatest lesson you have learned? <sighs> That's so hard to, to come up with one, but I think to stay on theme with, with my story, you know, if you're lucky enough to sense a gut feeling, don't ignore it. You don't have to act as drastically as I did and drop your, your corporate job <laughs> one <laughs> random Monday morning, but just don't ignore that because you won't regret it if you listen to it. And it might be, it doesn't necessarily need to be about your career or anything, but if, you, if you're if you lucky enough to, to feel that feeling and if you've had it, you know exactly what I mean, but don't, don't ignore that. Mm, yeah. Don't ignore. Mm. Mm -hmm. I'm just, I'm sitting over here thinking about moments in my life. I think I have a little bit of homework after this episode. <laughs> you, have, you have been unpacking so many great things for me. And I mean, gosh, one thing that I know about you, um, being able to follow your career and your story is that you always have something coming up. You've mentioned you do not like to stay still. So tell us a little bit about what's next for you. So I have a book coming out in January of 2024. I wrote a wedding etiquette book. It's called What Do I Do? Every Wedding Etiquette Question Answered. And it is going to be published on January 9th, 2024. Oh. It's out for pre-order now everywhere where you where you shop for books. That's the, that's the big thing that's coming up. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, congratulations. And also you, you mentioned earlier in the episode of Fiance as well. Yes. Everything... Uh, Everything sort of happened at once. Yes, we got engaged in August. Oh my gosh. Very, very exciting. And a very appropriate book coming out on January 9th. Oh my gosh. Well, Maria, Thank this you. has been such a blast. Is there anything um, that we didn't cover though that you'd like to? I don't think so. I think that I dug into my story more so than I ever had, which is was, was such a treat. Thank oh. you, Emily, truly. Oh, well, I'm thrilled that you would do so. And I'm, I'm so grateful for your time. And I think one of the coolest things about your story is hearing, um, gosh, all of the different ways that you really did pursue your passions and you really did make a mark and say, this is my route, this is my trajectory. And along the way, I know you've met some incredible people in the city and beyond. So I'd love to ask you, who do you know that should maybe come on and share their story? I think that Emily Lay, the founder of Simplified, should come share her story. Love. Not only did she create an incredible business and her business is product-based, so completely different than mine, but she inspires me so much because of the community that she's built, the sisterhood that she's built. I just think she's a wealth of knowledge on entrepreneurship and also following your dreams and, and really staying true to yourself and building that community to follow that. Oh, such a great recommendation. Of course, we always love to welcome an Emily on, so you will have to stay tuned for a potential episode with her. Uh, Mariah, I'm sure that many listeners have already found you on social, probably at the beginning of this episode, but you tell us, where can listeners connect with you? So I am at Old Soul Etiquette on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and my website is oldsouletiquette.com. Amazing. Well, again, thank you so much for your time today. This was a blast. Thank you, Emily. This was so much fun. Thank you so much. My pleasure.
pleasure. We will. Thank you all for listening to today's episode of How'd She Do That? Brought to you by Dogwood Hill. Be sure to use our discount code HSDT15 on all of your Christmas needs. Cards, wrapping paper, etc. Dogwood Hill has it all. I am Emily Landers. You can follow me on Instagram at Emily Landers and the podcast at How'd She Do That Podcast. I hope you'll check out Shop HSDT as you continue to get ready for the holidays. We will talk soon.